Hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am sitting here in Dining Room Studios with comedian and author and return guest, Jen Kirkman. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, everybody. Very exciting to have you here. Um, I just finished your new book, which is called I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. And I loved the book. I wanted to just like curl up inside it. And uh, I wanted more from Ryder, the Ryder story. Oh, I was like, who's that? Because I changed <laughs> Cause everyone's name. name. Yes. Yeah. The young cub that you dated. That's all there was to it. Yeah. There's really no more. Um, but, but there were so many stories in there where I'm like, I just want to see how this unfolds. Yeah, I really, oh. really enjoyed it. Thank you. So shy. Um, I wanted to ask all sorts of things I want to get into, but... I always think about something you said the last time you were on the show, or maybe I read that you said it. I think it was. Or maybe someone else said it. Yeah. Maybe I said it. I always think (laughs) about something I said. (laughs) No, it was definitely you. You said that for years you were trying to publish your book of David Sedaris essays. Sure. Okay. And I related to that so strongly because that has been in the past a struggle I've had. Um, This feeling of like, no, I have, I have, uh, poignant cultural criticism that's also funny to offer and and book publishers are like okay but we need a point of view and we need a lens through which to see this and we need a cohesive blah 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 i hate those Um, expressions because i don't know what they mean but yeah yeah. i know nor do i but your first book um was about not wanting to have children essentially and uh how would you like as you were writing this second this the Uh follow-up how were you um thinking of it of the the sec, how was I thinking like, of writing it? No, sorry. What I mean to say is like, what was the like the lens through the, which- my point yes, of view? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Well, it changed a few times. So, like the first book, and that same thing. Like the only reason it came about, and I'm sure I probably talked about this last time, is it was like total kismet. This editor wanted a book about that. She wanted to champion comedians. She already had like the big authors on her roster of people. And so it was just perfect timing, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But she really had a big hand in steering that ship because I don't, she just wanted it to be keep coming back to that you don't want kids. So even if you write an essay about getting your nails done, it somehow has to do with not wanting kids. Right. And I don't think I would do that again where every chapter is about a thing. Did you feel but, like it held you back to have to keep coming back to a certain topic? Although I, I love, I can barely take care of myself. A, a tiny bit, but I was like, oh, this is good because then I can write another book. So as <laughs> that was going on, I was going through a divorce and I was going, you know, like starting to tour and different things in life were happening. So I was like, oh, what's interesting is to me what's going on now could be a book and hopefully I'll get to write a second one. And then, so when that happened, I didn't have to have as much of a focus. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to not make it too divorcey because it's not a divorce memoir, but it really starts from that point. It's sort of like, I don't know, some people start think counting time with like when their baby is born or on a new year. But for me, it was my second half of my life started then. So I guess my only point, and then as I was writing it, my editor was like, maybe you're like 
someone that people look up to and they're like, she's different. Like I can do what I want to. And I sort of was writing it almost like advicey. And then mm. I was like, no, I don't have any advice. And by the time this comes out, I'll be a different person, I'm sure. And so the lens became, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and, but I am doing these things and in the moment enjoying them and, and that kind of thing. So it like sort of morphed, mm. but I bet if it were my first book, I would have had to have had that point of view from the beginning to try to sell it. This right. was just a lucky second book situation where they can't, it's like having a second kid, I guess I hear <laughs> that, that they don't uh, oversee you as much. Right. Um, now when it was a little more advicey, was it actually like questions, answers? No. I mean, there's a couple of chapters in there that are still in that are like, here's what I think about this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, or even like, here are things never to say to yeah. a new divorcee. Yeah, it was like stuff like that. And every chapter is supposed to come from the attitude of like, got this figured out. And I was like, but I don't. And I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. And I was learning. I really don't have anything figured out. That part where I'm like, Here, don't say this to the divorced people. I agree with that. But then there's another chapter about like things I wish I had learned. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. You know, but <laughs> it was true at one point in my life. So maybe people who are, you know, in the same place. And I know people are like, what are you even talking about? But there's just stuff about like monogamy or this or that that mm-hmm. I feel totally different about now. Right. But um, but that's okay. That was me at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I definitely did not intend to start with this, except that now I want to. Um, at the very... <laughs> oh, wait. I have to clarify. Okay. I don't believe my book is as good as David Sedaris. I know what you were saying that I had said, like, I wanted to do a book of essays because I don't want to do a straight through line. Right. But just in case anyone's like, she didn't think she's David Sedaris. I don't. That's how paranoid I am (laughs) as a person. Is that what trolls would say to you? You think, actually, they they probably would. And even nice people would say it. Like, people just say crazy stuff. Okay, well, that takes us in a different direction then, but then I'm swinging back to the other Oh, yeah, please do. Direction. I didn't mean to oh, no, no, no. Off direct. No, I just like to share the, uh, the narrative in my head about what direction I'm going, even though the only person who can understand what I'm talking about at this point is me. But I that's love about that. to all change. Um, okay, <laughs> so people say the vast majority of um, people on Twitter or in the world are nice, but there's this like, other group of people who say the just offensive condescending mm-hmm. shitty things to people who are in the public eye and perhaps also to people in their private life i don't know but i feel like it's generally directed at people who are in the public eye and the conventional yeah. wisdom i think is don't en- or rather what people say if you ever engage with them is don't engage with them don't give them the attention that now they win blah, 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 blah. yeah and you don't suffer those fools i don't believe in that don't well i always say like i only um address people like that and by the way i do think it's how they talk to people in their real life because i will get passionate about something on twitter because i have experienced it in real life Mm -hmm. and here i am on the internet and it's reflecting real life and i think that's true for a lot of women if i see male comedians online engaging people who tell them they're not funny or they're saying you know i liked your first album better Maybe don't engage with those people because you should be thinking of yourself as such a, um, you know, I was going like in those moments, like, what would Angelina Jolie do? What would Madonna do? She's not going to address every single person that doesn't like something. And it makes you look like you've more going on if you don't. So I only reserve it for discussions of feminism. And so when I am doing that, I think the average person 
will click into it and see that there's a back and forth going on, which usually what I do is I retweet someone, block them, and I never back and forth with, with once they say something ignorant, I know who they are. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to convince them. I block them, I retweet, and I write my point of view to educate, to show for ladies to be like, yeah, I feel the same way. For a good man to be like, oh my God, this happens every 10 minutes. Right. This really is a thing. And for dumb people who never thought about it to maybe be like, oh, I've thought that. I just never said it out loud. So I'm trying to teach. And so, but every once in a while, someone will jump in with what I call like the fuck the haters mentality. And I'm like, no, no one is hating on me. Mm-hmm. They are sh- like, it, it does frighten me that people who want Bernie are like, he's a better feminist and (laughs) white guys who are 23 are sending me articles on feminism. And I'm like, shut that down. So I will respond to that because I feel like it's an interesting conversation in our culture. It is, actually. And and I don't normally have access to people in college or people in their 50s who are sitting around and never think about anything except their kids in college and they don't know there's this new feminist thing happening. So I... Think of that as me standing on a street corner and people walking by saying stuff. I don't believe in this whole people are empowered by the internet to say whatever. I think people are like that. Mm -hmm. And you just act how you are in real life on the internet. Right. I don't really see a difference. Yeah. Whenever I see, um, whenever I see a woman engage with, I don't want to say a troll because it's, it's, it's more specific than that. Yeah. But just kind of put someone who needs to be on blast on blast. Yeah. Uh, to be super uh, articulate about it. I always admire that and I kind of envy that because I will occasionally do it, but for the most part, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's so much value in it. Like yeah. I look at that and I'm like, fuck, I wish I could be that way. I wish I could be that strong. Well, it it does invite a lot more people and then people jumping in to defend usually the guy that they don't know. Like, why can't he say a nice ass? And you're like, he can. It's just, I'm just wondering why men still talk like this to women. You know, it's like, it's always, I'm always trying to make a deeper point than I'm able to make on Twitter, which is like, in general, it's not going to kill me if someone says nice ass. I'm just wondering, like... Uh, would you say that to Mark Maron? Yeah, would you say that to Mark Maron? And he's got a great ass. I'm sure he wants to hear. No, I have no idea. Uh, But I... I had a friend recently suggest to me that maybe because we were talking about people that we know where we're like, do they ever sleep? And it's just like they respond to everything. They're involved, you know, and it just sometimes volume makes you look crazy. And for me, when I'm trying to make points, I like to show volume, meaning this is how many dudes have contacted me to say um, I won't vote for Hillary if she's elected Um, she's a Nazi and I don't care if Trump wins. And I'm like, but what about Planned Parenthood? You know, I will just, and then my friend was like, no matter what, you will look a little crazy because it's volume. So he was like, why don't you take a picture of each time someone does it and like arrange it into collage, a collage of tweets. Yeah. And then like maybe once every few hours, you can say, after I posted this, this is how many dudes, and it's more impactful because you're seeing it all at once. Right. And it, it invites less people to jump in and go, stop engaging. Because sometimes people don't know you're not just going back and forth mm-hmm. with the same person. Right. Because people always say to me, I love when you fight with people. I'm like, I've never gone back and forth with the same person ever. I would right. never like lower my, I usually just block them. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea who, if they say anything next. But so I think I'm I'm trying to do that more. I... It, it was through your retweets, though, that I realized um, 
like what Bernie bros are. Yeah. I wasn't really familiar with the the notion of it up until that point. And then well, I was like, holy shit, look at like, well, I think my favorite retweets of yours <laughs> were the ones that were saying that they were praising Bernie for yelling, but putting down Hillary yeah. for yelling. It's really weird. Well, it's funny too, because I, I, I don't really know how the, the term came up, but I, people are saying the Clinton camp invented it. Oh, now, let's just say that's true. They're like, and she did it last time with the Obama boys. I'm like, or <laughs> men are awful to women running for president. And that's the pattern. It's not that Hillary made it up. Right. Um, but if that is the case, that's not how I came to know about it. I knew men in my own life who were being super aggressively into him to the point where it actually turned me off of him. him. And I've been a Bernie fan forever i wanted Mm -hmm. him to be president when obama was running and uh i but now it's actually weirdly important to me to not vote for him in the primary and maybe i'm being an asshole i don't know but um it it i just and then i found out there was this thing and i was like oh that's the name of the thing that's been happening to me in conversation where it's like it's people i love that people are so excited like first-time voters and all that but it does scare me that I wish he, I don't know. It does scare me that there's this mentality of him or nothing, and they don't want to mm-hmm. do lesser of two evils anymore. And I'm like, but it does affect people's lives immediately if Trump wins and he's as awful as he's pretending seems, to be. Seems to be, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think there's also there's also this thing where Bernie's like, it's like we're so close to having the first female president. Yeah. And then it's like, at the, like they're just steering away. From, oh, good. Thank God, another man. Because I don't want a woman. I feel the same way. And I used to call it, and I shouldn't say this, but who cares anymore because it's over. Oh, it's not over. It's still on. But uh, the old uh, incarnation of The Daily Show, like I had, and I'm not, and I, again, I have to preface everything. I'm not bitter about it. I ended up turning down um, an opportunity to write another packet for them to try to get a job when I was back on Chelsea lately in my last years there because I realized that was a better place for me because mm-hmm. as a stand-up, if I was talking, I would just have a paranoia if I was talking about politics on TV and then people came to see me and it was all sex, divorce. They'd be like, what the hell is this? So <laughs> I was in the right place being on Chelsea. Anyway, but I had me, I probably auditioned like 11 times and it was not to be a correspondent to be a correspondent a writer a both mm-hmm. sometimes I got really close once and every time it would just be like oh my god there's not enough of this minority man which is great but it would be like and so I would just used to have a joke with a friend of mine like uh is there a pen we're gonna hire a pen we almost hired a woman on daily show like we almost hired a woman we're gonna hire a bottle of water yeah and um I know they had women on there but it, it it's that same kind of thing I really there's no proof but it, it just seems like feels that way. She though. must be like, okay, I got it, I get it. Like first black president, sure. What? Like there's a 74 year old like socialist yelling, which I love. Mm-hmm. But all we heard was, um, well, I guess the thing is, it's not like people who hated socialism are changing their minds. It's just the new crop of young people. Well, and then uh, I did not, I did not intend to go this deep into politics, but you know what? We're here. Um, there's also the argument that the people who are very anti-Hillary but pro-Bernie yeah. would are also kind of pro-Trump. Like they yeah. just like and to me it's like they're so different. They're so on the opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't understand that. And I also I think it's like these people that their only concern is busting the system because yes. I think Trump even if he wins like 
regardless of what kind of president he'll be, they say that might be the end of the Republican GOP. Party. There'll be like four parties. So I feel like some people, that's all they care about. They just about. want anarchy. They just want like something. Yeah. Right. Like it seems like a bunch of people are bored and they're like, I just want to see shit get fucked up. Right. Yeah, these are the people that write lulls on the internet. Um, is that so, L-O-L-Z? L-U-L-Z. Oh, what's lulls? I believe, is that like love to laugh? No, no, no. Lulls is like if someone, I believe if someone writes something sincere and like sincere and sad, then the response lulls is kind of like, fuck the world Everything's going down. There's no need to have compassion. Oh. It's just like a real sort of overly saturated, sardonic cynicism. It's how, so you would write that after your own sentiment. No, someone else, like you would write like, I'm so sad that my dog died. And so, oh, and someone write, write lulls. Oh, Like gotcha. they're laughing at your pain. Could you oh, look up lulls? Oh my God. I just did. There's a this whole level. I've never mm-hmm. kn- well, known. Well, I've seen this, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Do the people doing it know they're doing it? Yeah, tell me. Yeah, they all know what they're doing and I don't know what they're doing. So it seems like it is kind of a schadenfreude thing where you're laughing, but it's kind of a sarcastic laugh. Mm-hmm. It's you're you're kind of making fun. Uh, you're being you're ironic. You're enjoying someone's pain. Right. But you're not being a dick about it necessarily. Oh, no, you are. You're acknowledging. Oh, okay. So you're not acknowledging like, I know it's inappropriate to laugh. So my joke is running. You're like. No, you're refusing to connect to them as a human being. And you're just laughing at their You're laughing at their misfortune. Which would make sense with what you said. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. I forget what I even said. Oh, yeah. Yes. These are people who are just, I think that they're, yes, they're young and they just want anarchy. They just want a revolution in whatever way it comes. And. They're also saying that Hillary's the establishment. And again, like I kind of, all my insides twist up. Like, really? I don't, I mean, I get what, I get your argument. But yeah. like, there's something important about having a woman in the White House. Yeah. Ah! Just having that face there that is going to annoy everybody yeah, is exactly. really good in a weird way. <laughs> um, okay. So the other thing I was going to ask uh-huh. um, was at the end of your book, you meet someone. Mm-hmm. We Are broke you, up. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. I I put it in there sort of knowing and it's funny it turned out not quite to be for long distance reasons but I think that exacerbated it but if I had more I don't mean time right now but if I had more time in the book because I threw that chapter in kind of had you finished the book and then you met him I had finished it and I was thinking about putting one more chapter in in general because I felt like there needed to be something because the book um, t- takes us through like 2011 to 2014. And I hadn't written anything in the last like two years about what was happening. I'd only mm-hmm. been like tweaking the book. And I just felt like I was going to write something else about something. And then I, I, it didn't dawn on me to write about him because I didn't know what was going to happen with us. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's perfect because I don't want it to be, it's not a memoir of trying to find someone. And then I did. And it's not <laughs> either way. I So I didn't know when I was writing it in September, he was in the middle of his stay. And, um, and we broke up in December. And it was, but if I had more time in the book, like if the book wasn't due until next year, I'd get into like, obviously, you just don't know if something that like 
great at first sight is going to work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. For me, that's how I get into everything. That's my big fuck up in life. That's why I got married to try to stop doing stuff like that. So like, that's my issue to work on. Being impulsive. Yeah. So that's like my issue to work on forever. And it's like, I, you don't know someone until you know them. And then when that impulse takes over and then you see not red flags, like they're horrible nightmares, but just things that are like, you know, I wouldn't choose this. And if Mm -hmm. I had gone on 10 dates, I would have probably just been like, yeah, that's not that attractive to me that you whatever don't you believe that that you believe this and I don't believe that and the way you do certain things and so um I probably wouldn't have done anything differently but now I will probably approach things differently the next time Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's 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 interesting and long distance made it so much worse you met him when you went on tour in Australia yeah yeah and you guys kind of instantly he was also a comedian or is also a comedian yeah you guys were on tour together right and you instantly hit it off and then he like lived with you for three months here Mm -hmm. right yeah he um which sounds insane but it wasn't as like on top of each other as it sounds like to have a two-bedroom place and like we each had our own space and Mm -hmm. it was like but um yeah he we met on on tour and I was like well I don't know what's gonna happen like that was lovely and um we kept in touch and then he kept saying he was coming to America and then it turned into one month turned into three and then he was planning on moving here not for me but he already was in the process of it I think me being in his life was a helper of that Mm -hmm. and then there were even um circumstances where people I know were able to help him like maybe get a work visa and then uh he just kind of around Christmas was like I don't know how quickly I can get it just I realized oh I'm dealing with someone that doesn't really know how to motivate and doesn't know how to talk about feelings with a woman so if I bring up like hey like no rush but if you could indicate that that bums you out on any level (laughs) that would help like and he just didn't understand communicating and I think he's more of the pursue, pursue, pursue when intimacy happens, like, uh uh-oh, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, but not like a dick or anything like that. And so I was just like, if he lived down the street from me, we could probably have been fine. Mm -hmm. But there was a thing of like, okay, I want to, I was supposed to go visit him in January and I was like, do I want to get on a (laughs) 17-hour flight for something that seems to be ambiguous now when it was so on before and I was like I don't feel something was just like do not right and so I didn't and then it just that's it and I have to go back there in a couple weeks and but I will not I not in a I hate you way but I just for my own sanity will will choose not to hang out with them you know um I'm over it but I'm not I just don't I just like I wouldn't choose to see him Mm -hmm. if he lived down the street from me so just because I'm gonna happen to be there I will not pursue, like, let's hang out, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it's really, it was probably one of the hardest things I had to get over just because I'm older. But it, but now I realize, oh, it's Jen's pattern. It wasn't like, <laughs> oh my God, the greatest thing happened and then it was over. It was like, oh, Jen did that pattern again. And so that kind of helps me mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. weird way. You said that it was one of the hardest things to get over because you're old. How do you mean? <laughs> um, because... Okay, well, here's a weird analogy. Go with me here. I will. I'm already going. One time, um, not one time, but as an adult, you know, over 40, I had a blemish one time and it didn't, it like stayed red forever. Mm -hmm. And like even when 
the actual thing went down and there's nothing there. It was just this red dot. And I asked my dermatologist if like we needed to burn it off or something. And she was like, no, no, but when you're older, there's less collagen in your face mm-hmm. and that's what shrinks everything back down in time. So because you are at, you know, you have 20% collagen left, um, because you're old, you it will take a month sometimes for like a deep blemish to heal. And I was like, oh my God. There was something about that that you could say you have no eggs left and it wouldn't have made me feel as, oh right, I am mm-hmm. getting older. So in that same way, I feel like a breakup at a certain age, I think it's the age and also where I am in life where I am willing to do monogamous relationship. I don't want to do one night stands. I don't want to do flings. I don't want to do any of that shit. And I had found someone that did what I do for a living, which for some reason was very important to me at one mm-hmm. point and travel together. So that was really hard because I know who all the comedians are who travel the world. I There aren't anymore, you know, unless someone drops out of the sky. And so I just felt like I'd found the unicorn I was looking for. And at my age, there's less of those around. Mm-hmm. Um, and also usually people are pretty settled. So to meet someone who's like, yeah, I don't mind that you're not home six months of the year and you're living and you want to live in Australia half the year because I really do love Australia. And so I felt like that's, it's not so much an age thing like, oh my God, I'm getting older and I'm going to get less attractive and flabby. (laughs) I mean, I do, obviously it's not like my favorite thing, but I just meant it more like, I'm more settled in who right. I want to be. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, shit, that's probably not going to change. But then I've learned, like, again, that it, the those surface things, like meeting someone who does exactly what you do and traveling and all that, like, that's great if all the really important stuff is there. But, like, you can't put a lamp on a table with a broken leg. I mean, you can, but the table's going to fall and you can keep. So I just feel like, is he the table with a broken leg? I think he is in this analogy. I don't know if he's the blemish or the table or my dermatologist. But I feel like if I'm, if I'm with someone who has the same values as me and everything's fine, then maybe they wouldn't care if I was away, right. you know, a few times a year. Um, I'm certainly not going to, you know, I'm very, once I'm in a relationship, I'm in one. I'm not a cheater, really. I'm very, uh, like, I'm not even someone who has to try not to cheat and I'm looking at everyone else. Like Mm -hmm. I have eyes for no one else if I'm in a relationship. So I, I wouldn't worry about being away, but it might not be every guy's favorite thing. Right. Right. And then you have to be careful of the guys that like it too much. Like, but then there's some guys who are just like, no, I'm fine too. Like I need a lot of alone time and I, I'll just be, you know, at my chess club while you're away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you mentioned in the book that you have, um, common sense etosin. (laughs) Which yeah, I love. I also have oftentimes suspected that oxytocin, the science behind it, is yeah. kind of bullshit. That being said, I am the kind of woman who I can't have sex and not get emotionally invested. Like I just, I, and I tried. Yeah, believe me, I tried. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just at a certain point realized, like, oh, no matter what, even if going into it, I'm like, I would never want to be with this person. Yeah coming out of it, I want him to be interested in me, like no matter what. Of course. And it's funny. I wish I could rewrite that chapter because I was, I didn't realize it when I was going through it. But when I got divorced, like, I guess this happens to a lot of people. You kind of go crazy. It's like you have your, it's like whatever, when the Amish kids get to have a rum year off. Rum spring. I was like, I don't want a relationship. It's like, of course I didn't. I just went through the most traumatic thing and I wasn't even wired mm-hmm. to 
be intimate with anyone anymore. And I had no problem keeping everything casual. But that isn't what I'm like either. And I had this one friend with benefits for 20 years. And honestly, like, it was... And so, yeah, my therapist was like, you know, be careful with that because oxytocin is the, the drug that your brain makes when you sleep with someone, it makes women bond. And she's right. And it's funny because it just didn't happen with he and I because I probably wasn't all that... I didn't care if he liked me back and I wasn't all that interested in him anyway. It was just like good mechanical... He had the good mechanical moves to get the job done and he was a good friend. So it was like we could watch a movie after, but there was never craving, longing, Mm -hmm. excitement, thinking about it. It was like always kind of like a, I don't know, almost a medical thing. (laughs) Like I need to be touched. So I'll call him. And so, but you're right. In, in some of the flings I've had, I totally get all wrapped up. Even if I'm not like in love with them, I'm like, well, can't we be like having a monogamous fling, even if it doesn't mean anything. And <laughs> right. other people are like, no, I'm like, what? And and obviously oxytocin was heavily involved in meeting someone that I wrote about in my book. So it's like, duh. But I don't believe that you can't like reason yourself out of it. Well, you in the chapter where you talk about having common sensitocin, which again, is my favorite I think thing. it also just means like you really just don't want someone, to, you know what I mean? Well, you, you talk about, the part of your brain that knows that this is not who you want to have a relationship yeah. with takes over. Yeah. Is that not is that not really what happens though? Or is that what happens? Because that's what that's what I never have. The part of my brain uh, yeah. that knows that this is a, the person to not be in a relationship with is there, but it's just overpowered by all the rest. <laughs> yeah, I think probably I only had common sense etosin with that particular guy. Okay. Because it was just like it was an old friend I'd had for years and years, and there was never any, like, I never craved what he had to offer the world. He just wasn't my type of person, and he didn't make me uh, feel safe in the world. He's a real, I call him gypsy in the book. He's mm-hmm. like a true gypsy, like, I'm over here, I'm over there. And um, so with him, it was easy. But you're right. If I'm attracted to someone and I'm not uh, put off by their lifestyle, I'm really fooling myself thinking that I can just common sense my way out of that. Unless I'm, unless I think I'm attracted to someone and we start fooling around and I realize I'm not, that's the only time I can be like, yeah, no big deal. I'm, right. I'm not into it. Bye. But that's not what we're talking about. So no, it's just half bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a little note in the acknowledgement section of the book that mm-hmm. I wanted to read and ask you about. Thanks to Jake, whenever I am feeling low and critical of myself, I think of what you told me, that I am not as I picture myself, destructive like Godzilla, stomping through cities, ruining lives, <laughs> that I am the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, big and bright and full of warmth. Do you see yourself like Godzilla? Yes. Well, I don't anymore because I've been like, and not that friend of mine was a crucial uh, person in my life to help me work through some of those issues. Not that, I mean, he saw me through them. He didn't, I you know, obviously work on things mm-hmm. in, with a professional. <laughs> but I, I did at one point, like I I think, um, especially the way I would like enter relationships and stuff like that, like here I am, like whirlwind it up, whether it's a fun one and then the whirlwind gets bad. You know, it's like, I or I just think I'm, even like on the internet, like I'm too loud, I'm too this, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And then I I turn it into like, you know what it was? It was this one thing that my husband said to me very innocently once, and I swear I don't even remember what the fuck it came from. Mm-hmm. But I think he meant it to be like 
funny and like, don't worry, I still like you. But he was like, you're like the Tasmanian devil. Like, you know, that character from... Uh, uh, totally. Yeah, just like, WB, like spinning think, around. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, yeah, that would... That would it hurt me. Too. It hurt me. And I think he even gave me a stuffed animal of it. Like, then... <laughs> Like he found it at the airport later and it always sat in this chair in our bedroom. And I was like, then later I realized like, I feel like he thinks that of me, but just tolerates it. And I need to, I thought at one point I need to find someone who loves that about me. And so my friend Jake, who's an ex of mine, but when we were together, I was like, thank you for loving that part of me. He's like, I don't see that about you. Like stop bringing into the world that you are this and someone has to love you for it. You are not that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And then that's hence the Rockefeller Center thing. And we were both in New York at the time. So it's like that. that is something that I'm like, okay, if, if someone I went through so much with thinks that, then it must be true. So it's I lean on that even when I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice gift I guess to say to give to someone but yeah I totally say but now I can like with all the therapy and shit I can see like yeah there's like angel and devil on my shoulder there's like times when I'm the tree and then there's times when my brain thinks like the Tasmanian devil and Mm -hmm. I want to like just flip out but luckily I don't but yeah I, I did think of myself sometimes I get confused with my feelings and my actions like I think if I'm feeling a certain way everyone can see it right and then I actually am acting that way and I'm really not Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then sometimes I am acting loud and big and I think that's okay because it's not hurting anyone it's just maybe not everyone's cup of tea right to be around like a loudmouth comic I have that fear of being quote-unquote too loud as well I remember I had a nightmare that like people were telling me I was too loud and I talked about it in therapy and and I remember sitting to my therapist like, well, I do tend to sometimes talk pretty loudly. <laughs> and she's like, although no one should interpret your dream for you, but she's like, or maybe it's like more in a symbolic sense too loud. Right. Like your voice is a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is a very yeah. female. I mean, men are, so I don't, I don't mean to be woman hear me roar so much, but women are not supposed to be loud. I and remember, you pay yeah. a price if you are. I remember in high school... Um, I'm burning my bra right now. Yeah. I just took mine off too. <laughs> I remember in high school, I liked this boy, Adam, who was really quiet. And my friend Terry was getting close with him. And I was like, yeah, ask ask him if, if he likes me. And she's like, okay. And then I was like, no, 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 don't. Uh, here, give him this note. And like, just give it to him. You don't have to get involved. We're just still getting involved. <laughs> and then he wrote back... Um, I think I wrote like, check... Like, yes, if you like me, no, if you don't, no big deal. And then I think I even put like a comment box in like, and then if it's no, feel free to tell me why. And he wrote, you're just too loud. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, Um, my God. So that's always been a thing for me where I feel like even though I'm loud and proud, I'm always like, oh, it's bad and people don't like it, but I can't help it. But it's not even, I don't even think that's true. I don't think it's, no, no, I don't think it's true, but I totally get the feeling. I also remember writing in my diary um, years and years ago, I felt like, I felt like all my relationships weren't working out and I needed to like sort of get to the bottom of like, it was like, I figured if I could enter them all into a spreadsheet, I could really, you know, crunch the numbers and figure out how to have a good relationship, (laughs) which is not how it works. But I was like, what did all of, you know, all these guys, what did they have in common and what am I looking for? And that does seem like productive and then you could get something out of that. I think, I think I did, but uh, yeah. So 
one of the things that I wrote though was I don't want to feel like I'm the messy one in the relationship. Wow. And I don't mean because I'm like I'm pretty messy. I don't mean physically messy. I yeah. mean I don't want to feel like I'm the I don't want to feel like I'm the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. Like, that's a icky feeling. The problem. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. The and one who you, has to be tempered. Right. But then you get into like, well, if someone made you feel that way, they're awful. And then is that just you feeling like you're taking up too much space in the world and you're not, obviously, right. and all that shit. But you you also, or I also didn't want to be with the person where I where he's the Tasmanian devil. No. I mean, like, ideally, you no both kind of want to be. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's okay if people have their moments. Yeah. But I always think, like, oh, my God, I have to be perfect all the time. Or, or you know, no one can deal. And it's like, that's not even... A thing. When I think of how much shit I've put up with other people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't have to be perfect. I've never met a perfect person, but I'm always like, well, I should be perfect. Where does that come from, do you think? I have no idea. Mm, I actually do. I, I'm sorry. I'm sipping on a straw that I totally thought okay. was full of water. I want um, the audience to know your cup is green, and it's got these little green beads on the side of it, and it is like the most fun cup ever. Thank you. Well, I got it at Starbucks, and I don't drink water but I'm trying to be better to my vocal cords so I I refill it with water all day long and it's the only way I'll drink water if it's, it's like in a fun cup. if it's in a fun cup with, with a straw <laughs> um I think it comes from I don't know I mean I know my parents and I had that relationship and they would be like what are you fucking talking about but we had that relationship where I was treated like an adult mm-hmm. and there was no um there was no protecting me from anything from their relationship from the world it was like yes we're gonna have a nuclear war yes we're fighting we're not hiding it like everyone's you know like them complaining to me about the relationship me acting like a therapist so I was just like I never thought now is that I thought I'd have all the answers how they are or do you think it's because you were the baby like or were they just like over it by the time you came along Maybe so. And I was a lot younger than my, like, I have a lot of di- distance between my sisters and me. So there was like two of them at once and maybe mm-hmm. they didn't have that. So I was just the one like hanging out alone all the time with them. Mm-hmm. And so it was like the boundaries were all weird about what we talked about, but they weren't, but they were very strict. I also wasn't allowed to, to drive or have boyfriends or like stay out late and stuff like that. So it was a very, um, I didn't think anything was abnormal and it wasn't overall but there are some weird things where I felt like I was empowered to feel like an adult by the time I was like eight and I was giving advice and thinking people should listen so I don't know if that that kind of made a perfectionism streak in me Mm -hmm. like oh god I hope I have the answer for mom and dad today or else they're not going to be able to figure shit out you know and it was like I'm sure that got internalized as as like well, I don't deserve anything unless I like mm-hmm. act perfectly, you know, which they obviously never said. But I think that's the difference between like them hearing this and being like, oh my God, we were so good to you, which they were. And like a therapy version of what the child right. like ends up subconsciously thinking that kind of right. that kind of crap. So I I don't know. And I've always just been a, like on the surface side, like a Virgo perfectionist, took dance lessons, like... I'm like, I would have been like a, with the exception of I'm not anti-Semitic, I would have been a good Nazi. Like, (laughs) I'm just like very orderly, except for the fact that I was late today. But it was like, (laughs) you know, it's like, I've always been that way. Right. Yeah, I was um, adultified. It's not the correct word. That's Uh, a good word, though. At 
at a young age too. And I do think some of my good qualities come from that, but I think there is a cost to never feeling like I'm a kid and I can just sit back and be protected. Yes. You know, it's that thing of like, I need to be on top of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But you want kids, right? I do. Yeah. So that's so funny to me because I think that's where my not wanting kids comes from because it's not as literal, like, but I'm just like, I never was interested in being a kid. It just didn't, I didn't. Like I wasn't anything I did for fun was mimicking what adults were doing, mm-hmm. whether it was fun stuff they were doing or serious stuff. Oh yeah. And I, I know people who are like, Oh my God, I can't wait to throw a ball around with my son. Cause I loved baseball. I'm like, I don't want to do anything involving what kids do. I don't want to relive it. I didn't like it the first time, you know, when people are like, Oh, my son and I just watch all the old cartoons. Oh, it sounds awful. Not cause I don't like kids, but I don't like childhood. Right. It just doesn't appeal to me. At all. And I feel like I'd be really just dismissive of someone going through it. I would be like, oh, God, don't you want to like do spreadsheets with me? Or why do you mean you want to play with dolls? It's, it is funny. <laughs> I always, always wanted to be older. I wanted my period. Although once I got that, I was like, why did I want this? Yeah. I used to take necklaces or paper clips and hold them up to my teeth and make them into braces. I think we talked about the Oh, did we do that last time? <laughs> that was the only, you're the only other person I met that did that. Yeah. I, I wanted to wear makeup. I like anything that cool teenage girls did. Yeah. I want, I always wanted to be older, but yeah, I do want kids. I guess I hadn't really thought about the fact though, that I'm not that into all that childhood stuff, but I mean, maybe there's, but you have a maternal instinct. Yes. That, yeah. So that's different, I think, but so I'm thinking but more you like, like your sister's cat. Oh my like God, my sister's cat is my favorite thing on the planet. Oh, I need to start an Instagram account for my sister's cat mittens. She's the <laughs> best cat. My, my family has a real weird thing with tuxedo cats. We had a cat named Mittens growing up and then Mittens died because Mittens was 18. And my sister has kept getting tuxedo cats. And there's been Miss Mitty and oh. now there's just Mittens. And I'm sure when Mittens passes on there'll be another i mean we're like obsessed my sister takes it a little far she's like i think this is the reincarnation of <laughs> mittens kirkman i'm like i think it's a tuxedo cat and they probably have the same qualities hey you don't know i don't know <laughs> but i was like is that how reincarnation works you keep coming back as the same exact breed of cat <laughs> right. like i thought maybe you would come back as a snail or it's like groundhog day but yeah for cat reincarnation it's more like groundhog day um, you mentioned in your book that oftentimes you your feelings will take like a month to catch up to you. Yes. If you get a postcard from your feelings is how you put it. Yeah. Um, can you explain a little more about that? I'm trying to think of a really good example. It's just something my shrink said to me once. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Because I'll be like, you know what? I'm not even like I don't have a concrete example for my life. But like an example would be like, I don't even mind that she and I aren't friends anymore. Like. She told me off last night. I'm like, you know what? It's for the best. And she's like, wait a week. And then a week later, I'm crying like, oh, my God. Like, I go right to intellectualizing mm-hmm. everything. And like, I know it'll be okay. So it's not even like I'm trying to do that. It just happens naturally. And then like, whatever those stages of grief are or something. Yeah, the five. five yeah. I, it takes me a while to get to tears. Right. Or whatever. And not always, but some, whenever she hears me be so absolute, like, yeah, so it's fine. She's like, "Mm -mm." does it always catch up with you? Yep. Every time. And every time I'm being like that, like, no, I think this is fine. There's really never been a time that I've 
that's been true. Unless I go through the crying, the anger, and then obviously that. But if I've just never processed anything and something terrible happens and I'm like, yeah, no, no, right. feel good about it. It's such a lie. I kind of do that too. But I think when I do it, it's because I'm trying to not feel certain emotions. Yeah. like, And I've got that on autopilot. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you don't even notice you're doing it. I don't notice I'm doing it until I pay someone to be like, you seem insane right now. Like, <laughs> I'll see you next week when you're crying. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I had something that was like a very slight rejection. Yeah. But it was something that I didn't even want. Like the way this is the way I put it to myself was because I was so quickly trying to spin it. Like you didn't even want that. You don't even need that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, it's like I'm married and I just found out some guy that I'm not even attracted to decided he doesn't want to sleep with me. Why? And then I'm like, but he left it open ended. Like maybe in the future he does. So what's the problem? Like I was doing so, I was yeah. doing so much calculus in my brain of like, this is not the thing that in your gut you feel like it is. This is not a rejection. This is okay. This is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I had to just stop and be like, that's all true. It is all true. Yeah. This is not something, this is not an opportunity I wanted or needed. Yeah. It was something that came out of the blue and then I didn't get it and that's okay. But it's okay to admit that you feel hurt by this yeah like it's still a rejection yeah. and other stuff from the past is involved and yeah. it's just like dusting you start sneezing you're just like things are coming up but does it mean yeah I, I have the same thing I think I'm getting better with that like I think now I can notice when I'm not really connected to what I'm feeling mm-hmm. but yeah there's times when I'm like oh I'm not even upset about this but I have to feel it because it'll just get worse I don't know it's like ignoring a sugar you spilled on the ground or something like then it becomes like an ant farm and you're like right oh I just didn't want to pick it up that day if I had just done that even though it would have been a pain in the ass now it's so much worse yeah I heard someone describe My analogies it. are so bad no no I like that <laughs> I heard someone describe it as saying yes to your emotions which is, is like oh I love that yeah but like yes I do feel hurt yes I do feel yeah like, I've actually been incorporating that a lot lately because my go-to that is, is so good. I'm loving that. My go-to is to try whatever the feeling is yeah. to try to spin it and push it away and intellectualize and rationalize to myself why I don't have to feel this unpleasant thing. So I really have been lately just being like, yes, I feel like whatever. And it yeah. kind of neutralizes it. Totally. It's so much better than like trying to intellectualize it because then it's still going like, hey, I'm here. And it's yes. like a ghost knocking a, a, another amazing analogy. It's still a, throbbing like your adult acne that won't go away. Exactly. Because you have no college eggs. Right. You're old. <laughs> Not you, me. You know no, I know. I, I I know what you mean. <laughs> um, okay. You mentioned that there's a Boston voice that you go into yeah. when you're trying to sound tough. Yeah. What is this voice? Oh, it's my... um. It's my South Boston. I had an accent growing up, but I'm not from South Boston. But then now when I do an accent, it sounds more like half the accent I used to have and half like a Ben Affleck movie. (laughs) And so I had to get tough with a nurse when my dad was sick. And uh, so (laughs) she was eating her lunch and I asked her if she could help my dad who was like about to have surgery on his cranium and he was didn't know where he was. And I was like, can you change his bedpan? And she's like, so she goes, uh, she just was ignoring me eating her lunch. I go, you eating your lunch? And you have to kind of whisper. And I was like, my father would love to have lunch right now, but no one's fucking changing his bedpan. So it's like fucking bedpan, you know. And it comes from, I call it my Mark Wahlberg voice because he does that in The Fighter, I think. He'll like whisper when he's, but it's really Ben Affleck in the town, Mm. which if you've seen 
there's a, one of my favorite scenes. I think about it when I want to get like, like if I'm feeling sad about something, but now it's time to get empowered, I will mm-hmm. think or watch, sadly, this scene. It's <laughs> not a great movie, but Ben Affleck is, you know, a badass bank robber kind of guy. He's falling in love with this girl. And she's like, when I walk through this bad neighborhood at night, these guys throw things at me. He's like, they throw bottles at you? He's like, what do they look like? Cut to, he goes into Jeremy Renner's apartment and he's like, I need you to come with me. We're going to hurt some people. You're not going to ask me any questions. And then Jeremy Renner just goes, whose car are we going to take? And I'm like, yeah. And then <laughs> cut to, they're beating the shit out of someone. And I'm like, that kind of thing of just like talking real quiet. Like, it's so stupid. No, it's not. I love it. But I want to be in a movie. Well, A, I don't really act or audition. So it's that's like another, I'd have to get in that mm-hmm. world. But if someone could just put me, based on this podcast, in a movie. That's how it happens often. Yeah. yeah you'd be surprised. I have a people. lot of people have been cast. Oh, man. Yeah. Straight from this podcast. Well, that's why I was like, before I saw Spotlight, did you see that? Not yet. Oh, it's great. But um, one of the characters, played by Rachel McAdams, is the... Uh, I get so annoyed because she was, I think she was nominated for something. And I'm like, she didn't even do an accent. But I think her character was not from Boston. And I'm like, I don't but give still. a shit. Do the accent. Yeah. And I was just acting out the movie by myself to people like, my fucking grandmother reads the Boston Globe. I'm going to tell her the Catholic Church is molesting kids. I don't fucking think so. <laughs> and I'm like, why can't I be in that movie? That's a good scene. That's a powerful performance I just gave. If they redo the movie, I hope they cast you. I do too. <laughs> And I hope maybe they'll redo it soon. It's like hard. It's happening it's, faster and faster. Yeah, they just next year's Oscar <laughs> yeah, is a remake. The same, yeah. That would be so fucking funny. Maybe under um, President Trump, that's what things will be. <laughs> um, okay. I want to talk to you about getting fun coats. Because oh, I love yeah. your coat. I love your fun coats. And as I was reading your book, I'm like, I feel like I have a fun coat personality. I just don't have the fun coat. Oh, I, yeah. I pretty much have like one fun coat per five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to. Well, that's but, all you need in LA. Yeah. No, I know. But I really, I really wear coats more than one needs to because I'm into them. But can I you explain them. to the audience what the, explain what fun coat is? It happened to me magically where, um, it's so funny because looking back on it, by the way, I used to, do you know that movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? It's one of my favorites. Okay. It's great. Yes. I was in my like, even worse than I am now, like hardcore feminist phase back then where I could find fault with anything in a movie, women character. And I'm like, oh, a woman's crazy because she wears one of those coats. Like, like, and I was all mad about it. (laughs) And then now I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of coat that kind of alterna wacko women wear is like that matted down fake fur, like mm. bright color coat. And that was like a big 90s trend. And I think I had one. And then, I, so I had this anger at coats for so long. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought it just, I don't know why. I thought it meant like you were nuts or whatever. And then I went to Paris with my friend and I saw this Big white, and of course, every dude is like, that looks like a Yeti. I don't know what a Yeti is, but I had one where everyone told me, that looks like a poodle or a gorilla. (laughs) Yeah, something like that vibe. Right. But it was so fantastic, and there was a black one and a white one, and I'm like, I think a white would be more outrageous. So I bought it, and it just, I didn't see anyone else wearing this kind of stuff. And I know, by the way, they did in the 70s. I didn't like invent it, but it just made me feel so good, and I had a story. Hey, it's from Paris. And then it turned out I started traveling more for stand-up, so every kind of fantastic city I went to I bought a fun coat but it always has to be kind of like big and fake Mm -hmm. fur and totally the kind of coat that 
like kind of a crazy girl in a movie would wear. And I've embraced that now that I'm like a kook or going to grow into like Iris Apfel, if you know who that is. <laughs> and uh, I love it. And now it's like I'll cheat a little. Like I went to uh, Chicago in September and it was colder than I thought. And so I had to buy a coat and I just went into Topshop and bought like a fake leopard. Mm. And it's like very, you can tell it's not a vintage or unique thing, but I don't care. So yeah, all my coats are some crazy color or fun material. No. But I have like a solid winter down coat for real life. Do you ever have trouble finding a fun coat though? Because that's my thing. Like I'm pretty picky. You can't look for them. I actually, I cannot believe I'm going to admit this, <laughs> but I recently was like, it's time for a new coat. And I'm like, I'm just going to put it out to the universe that I'm open to yeah, a new coat. You, I literally did that. Yes. I literally was like, please send me a new coat. Yeah. If you're looking for like, look, I'm going skiing. <laughs> I need a parka. Just go to Macy's. Right. But if you're looking for a fun coat, you can't look. It has so it to come to you. It chooses you. Exactly. <laughs> and honestly, it's happened where to people have run out of stores and been like, you need this coat. Really? And I'm like, either I look like a sucker or I'm cold. put it out there. <laughs> but there was, um, I had a gig in London once and I went to this flea market thing on Portobello Road and I was walking and I don't know what it was. I'm sure maybe they did this to everybody and I was the only one that was like, okay, but I had money in my budget for a fun coat. I was like, if it happens, it happens. And someone was like, do you want to try on this coat? It's this woman made it in Germany and there's one left and it, you know, it seems like you would like it. And I tried it on and I was like, yep, this is it. And that was it. And then I was in Melbourne once and I was walking by a store and I looked in the window, I didn't see anything. And a girl came running out. She's like, we just got this really cool new vintage. It was like a vintage suede coat with like the, um, like you tie it around your waist. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I think it's from New York. And I was like, all right. And I tried it on and it fit. And I, again, I had, but I had room in my suitcase. I was going to say, do you, yeah. do you leave room? Maybe that, maybe I'm not leaving room for coats It's like, do you remember life? there was some book, maybe it was the rules or something. Like, if you want to be in a relationship, like clean out a drawer in your bedroom to invite a man's energy. And by the way, I'm, I don't think that was the rule. I think the rules was just all about like, like put an egg timer by your phone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and congratulations. You finally captured the heart of Mr. Right. Then turn page. The rules for marriage. Oh, <laughs> it's like so, it continues. Yeah, I, there was something that, because uh, my friend was doing it. This was like 10 years ago. She had like an empty drawer and she was like, I'm clearing it out for, to make an energy for a relationship, which I just thought was funny for a straight woman because I'm like, guys don't have things to put in the drawer. <laughs> right. Like it would be more something a man would do to yes. attract a woman. But so yeah, I make room for it in my heart, in my wallet and in my suitcase. I'm oh, like, okay, beautiful. I have a hundred bucks I can spend on this. If it comes to me, it comes to me. If it doesn't, I am wearing a coat currently. So we're mm. not going to freeze to death. And there's been trips where I haven't found one. But um, have you ever tried to force it? Yep. And it, and it, I forced it once and I hate this coat and it sits, and I, I ended up giving it away. Uh, you can't force it. Mm -hmm. It has to. Or sometimes if something doesn't fit quite right, you're like, no, but mm, don't get it. It has right. to fit perfectly. Right. I had a car that I forced. I know that I read in your book that you are not, you're not a car person at all. And like you just, there is just a tool for getting one place yeah, to another. Yeah. Which is. Although I like a fancy car. Like when I've rented cars before and they're like, one time I just got some crazy upgrade and I was like, ooh, this is luxurious. Mm -hmm. But I feel like. It's only good for 
if someone needs to see you and you need to look successful or yes. something. But day to day, I don't care. I actually, I strongly rejected this idea that anyone can infer anything about you from your car just because I have a whole thing with like, for the long, like, for the longest time, I was like, it's just what's inside that matters. Yeah. Be it people or buildings or anything, even though I readily admit that I like being in beautiful surroundings. I was, I was, yeah. all, I was all confused, but, but then I remember one day, like when I was trying to find an apartment in LA and I was pulling up, um, not that anyone's that choosy, but I was looking at my car that was at this point, like the the paint was chipping and yep. it was dented and it just looked like such a piece of shit. And it's like, in my mind, it doesn't look like that anymore. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, when it's, it's not an interesting story, but I feel compelled to finish it just, just for no, OCD reasons. Yeah. Um, I had a car that I loved and then it broke down shortly after college. It was my, it had been my first car and I had to get another car because it was going to be too expensive to fix it. Mm. Um, so I was just like, I resented the whole thing and I just chose just a re- very sensible car. Yeah. Um, this had also been, a, they were both, I don't know why I'm not saying what they are. They were both Honda Accords. Um, but I, and I had that car for like 15 more years and Whoa. I hated it the whole time. The whole time I oh, had that car, I hated feeling. it. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, a few years ago, I was like, I drive so much. Maybe I should be in a car that I don't hate. Yeah. But anyway, that was me trying to force it because I was never excited about that car. I, I don't this like my car now. And I'm realizing, oh, maybe I, there's an in-between where I'm not like a car person. But right. I drive a, a Volkswagen. It's pretty much like, looks like a station wagon like a Jetta diesel. Mm-hmm. And people are like, it looks like a mom's car, which is fine with me. I just want a diesel, but I didn't want something small and I didn't want an SUV. And I liked the kind of, I call it like European. It's like bigger than a hatchback, but smaller than a station wagon. Right. And I just think the shape is cool, but I started to hate it. Mm-hmm. And then I found out they're not really diesel anyway. Yes. That kind of Everyone ruined it for hoodwinked. me. I know. And now I'm like, oh, I want something fancy, but I don't. Do you have I, an idea of what the fancy car would be? No, because I would never pay that much for it, but I kind of just want a Fiat, but they're too mm-hmm. small. I just get afraid of someone hitting me. Yeah. But I like the way they look. Right. And on the inside too. But yeah, I know. Well, it is like a real thing in LA. I mean, you know, a person in your life shouldn't judge you, but let's just say you're meeting an agent or you have a writing job or something and you pull up in a crappy car. It could show, oh, this person doesn't get paid to do right. that what, is sort of what this job is and yeah. we need someone with experience. Like it can speak to that unless you get make it a thing well, like, then, like you're Johnny a- Depp with the same boots for 20 years. Right. Or I think the the car that bucks that trend is the Prius. Yes, you can't you can infer anything. anything about someone if they have totally. a Prius. Totally. I've known the richest person in the world has one and then my friend who like, can't even open a credit card because his credit's so bad, like has a Prius. Like everyone from every walk of life. Although I wanted to get one and they were, oh, you know what? The year I was eligible to, I was leased cars. The Mm -hmm. year that a lease of mine was up, it was the, um, I was going to say Hiroshima, not that, Fukushima. Oh yeah. And they, the prices were insane because the production had stopped. So it would have been like 600 a month. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. For a car that wouldn't be that fun to drive. No. no. And I feel like every Prius I see is a dent mm-hmm. in the same space because there isn't. Uh, can't hear them. It's like you can't see. during. I know there's like a blind spot or something. Right. I just made that up. But I have seen a few Priuses with I the bought same it. dent. Uh, oh, thanks. I believe, I believe that's true. <laughs> I I think it's true, but it doesn't mean it is. 
Let's take some questions that people sent in over Twitter. Oh, how nice. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Lloyd Dobler's phone says, does she ever scale back her online activism for fear of losing followers and ticket or book sales? If so, is it an easy decision? Um, I don't scale it back, but I do think about it, especially right now, because I am trying to sell a book and ticket sales and stuff. And it's not that I think my opinions will turn people off. But it's the volume of tweeting and then people start muting me, which is fine, but then they'll miss important things. So that's the only time I think about it. And it's not that hard a decision because I don't care either way. Like I feel like one activist tweet a day gets the point across, but I'll usually delete like long threads of things that if I get into them. Right. And now I'm like, oh, I have to be careful because it's really not that I'm afraid of people finding out my opinions, but I just don't want to be muted and then they miss out on me having a show. Yeah. But yeah, I do think about it. I a weird thing happens to me where I think every time I tweet, I lose. Not every time, but it feels as if every time I tweet, I lose followers. I swear that's a thing because okay. there was one time okay, I didn't. Okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah, than, thank you. There was one time I took um, Twitter off my phone, and then I forgot my password, and there was some weird thing where like I couldn't log in because it was like you know how it goes. It's like mm-hmm. send us your email, and the email address I signed up with is gone and I was like I don't even know how to get into Twitter anymore and it was like a week and I came back and I had so many more followers I was like I didn't even do anything yeah and I I've done that before one time I took a day off just to see and I gained like a couple hundred more and I was like it doesn't make any sense it has occurred to me that the best way to get the most followers is to just pretty much never tweet and then I but then I'm like but then what's the purpose really you know being on Twitter you know what I think it might be because I've done this to other people and I've had it done to me sometimes when you tweet not you but a person you'll go who's that that I'm following and like maybe someone I think it reminds them that that they've been following me and they don't want to yeah and like they're (laughs) they might be like being super organized that day and cleaning out everything and like maybe they followed you or me or anyone one time because someone else retweeted you Mm -hmm. and they thought that was funny but they're not that committed and they're like I don't really know who this is I'll just unfollow I think that happens to me a lot I've done it to other people I'm like who's this and why am I following them and just because I'm like feeling anal that day I'm like I need to have 900 people I follow exactly so I'll unfollow 40 (laughs) people right now it's like a weird thing I do when I'm in line at the drugstore or something. And then, though, I rationalize it to myself by saying, fine, but they'll be replaced with people who actually want to hear my tweets. I think that's true. And I do think that's been what's happening. I think a lot of unfollowing really is never personal. I think muting is personal, but mm-hmm. you'll never know anyway. You'll never know, yeah. Um, it's funny. I truly, I truly believe truly believe that no one has muted me even though i've muted like eight thousand people <laughs> i love that i believe everyone has muted me it's like i'm not even saying that like in a pity way i just like i can tell mm-hmm. like certain people used to joke back about certain things i'm like oh they never pipe up anymore like friends of mine i'm like oh they muted me that's all right <laughs> um okay tony duke says ask about relationship with paul f Tompkins. he once said nicest thing ever quote i will always be friends with jen kirkman yeah. I mean, there's not much to say that we're friends. Right. <laughs> We've been friends for like, uh, God, I don't know, 16 years. Um, we don't see each other as often as we want now because I'm never home and he's got like a real 
job, you know? So our hours are different. I just saw him last week. I was on his TV show, No You oh. Shut Up. And that was super fun. And I think we're, uh, we'll probably try to hang out soon. But yeah, he's lovely. I met him uh, like in the year 2000 back in New York. He actually, I will say this. He's probably one of the, I remember, uh, why did he know me? Hang on a minute. I want to figure this out. We met in, oh, I know. We met in the late 90s in Montreal, the festival. I oh, cool. I didn't get into the festival, but my friend Eugene Merman wrangled himself a press pass because he had like a funny like onion type newspaper in Boston and you could like easily get a press pass. And so he brought me and a bunch of other comics. We just kind of invaded. And I met Paul and me and him and Eugene just like hung out one night and like had so much fun. And I think he thought I was a funny person, although he'd never seen my stand up. And then he came to New York when I was living there and we both happened to be on the same bill one night doing a spot. And then he finally watched my stand up and he liked it. And then when I moved here, he would let me go on his old Largo show Mm -hmm. on Monday nights back at the Melrose Avenue Largo location. So that's kind of where it started is like, we just hit it off when we met and, have have been friends ever since, but uh, I was like, wait, I think he helped me with something. Yes, he totally got me involved in Largo. So I will never not be his friend, not just because of that. <laughs> right, Sean Stitchfield says, I would like to know how Ronnie. Name. What Stitchfield's a funny name. Um, I would like to know how Ronnie Kirkman is doing. That's so nice. Yeah, people uh, know about my dad because I talked about him on this other podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, yep, hashtag. FTCF, so fuck the crap. Frap the crack, the crack feast, the crap feast. <laughs> um, he's good. He had um, his brain was swollen years ago. He fell on his head. Uh, he had an operation. He's fine. He uh, actually was just in the hospital last week, mm. but he's totally fine. It was like a high fever, and he was shaking. But like, you don't know is it shaking because you know when you have a fever and you're freezing. You're sh- so it was like, is it that or is it tremors from the head injury of years ago? But totally was fine. I get a text from my sister. Dad's in the hospital. I'm freaking out. And I call him. He's like, I'm eating a BLT. He's like, I love hospital food. I'm like, okay, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine going strong. My parents are gambling, golfing, like 78 and still going to living comedy it shows. Up. Still going. Well, th- they changed things up at Foxwoods Casino. They don't have a comedy club there anymore. So they don't, they don't bust into the shows anymore. <laughs> um, the great one asks, did you get to pick the stories you told on Drunk History? Um, half of them. Yeah. The first couple I did. And then the ones I did on Comedy Central, they didn't pick them for me, but they gave me a choice of a few, like based on like Derek did it based on what he thought I might be passionate about. So two of them, I didn't pick the Mary Dyer and at Edith Wilson, I did not pick, but, uh, wholeheartedly agreed to do when they were presented to me with like a few other options. Mm hmm. And finally, uh, Dan, no, not Brent says, is she actually fun or does she just seem fun? I'm not. A, well, it depends on the kind of fun someone's into. If people are into like, if their idea of a night out is like having two drinks and having dinner and it lasts like three and a half hours and then we're home by 1030, super fun. <laughs> if their idea of fun is like going to a nightclub and dancing and staying out all night or like playing video games or whatever, I'm not fun then. Were you at one point? No. Because I, oh, really? See, I feel like I used to be fun in that way, in the like, woohoo, that kind of fun. Maybe, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think when I lived in New York in my 20s, I probably slept like three hours a night every night, but I wasn't like, 
I wasn't like up in the club, like whatever all that is. I've mm-hmm. done it a couple times, like for work reasons, but I hate it. But no, I was never, I'm fun, but it's like, I think I'm super fun. And then other people are like, and then we're going to go here. And I'm like, why would we leave here? It's nice and quiet and we can hear each other. And like when people want to go to a second location, I'm like, I don't get it. Like we're already <laughs> here. And they're like, cause there's more people. I'm like, but we're not going to talk to them. Like, yeah. Like what are we in search of? Yeah. I don't really get it. I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Like I was with three, two friends of mine. We all were in relationships and we were like having a drink at the improv and we had to leave because we were all driving and so we were like we all live in the valley and I was like why don't you all just come over while I'll ditch our cars and they're like I don't know is that fun I'm like no one is looking for a partner we're all in relationships I have wine at my house we can sit there and we don't have to you know it would be last call wherever we were going and it would be crowded I'm like and they were like I don't know if that's fun I'm like oh my god forget it it ended (laughs) up working out they came over but yeah people are obsessed with like there has to be life going on and and I don't care about that Mm-mm. no you actually in fact in your book you mention never realizing until it's too late that the restaurant you're in is not a good one um oh. i related so i i, <laughs> I you still are suck the at that same in terms of what i look for in a restaurant is something like quaint and picturesque with twinkly lights and i don't really care about the food me neither and it's funny because then I, until i'm eating something shitty i'm like oh fuck and i'm a vegan and so i annoy everybody like on paper, you would think that my friends are like, oh, I don't even mention it. People always forget. I will go as long as it's atmospheric. And then when people try to suggest vegan restaurants, I'm like, nope, shut up. I'm never going to that like brightly lit booth. Like, I don't want that. I want like a nice romantic. I'll go to a steakhouse and just eat like bread or a salad. Like for me, it's just the atmosphere. Yes, it's all atmosphere. So if I'm going somewhere, like a lot of times if someone plans a dinner and it's like a group of friends, I'm not going to jump in. Like, I can't eat that. So I'll look at the menu online and I'll eat before I go. And then I'll get there and I'll like tell them I'm vegan, but I didn't want to, I'm fine. And then I just get like a bunch of sides and have some wine. Like that's all it's about for me. But yeah, if I see a restaurant with like cool twinkling lights and no one's in there, I'll sit down and then the menu gets handed to me and I'm like, oh. <gasps> Oh, this sucks. <laughs> there's a reason. It happens. Like yeah, a there's table. a reason yeah. no one else is in here. Yeah. I'm, but I can always make the best of it. Okay, let's do Just Mirror Everyone. But first, I want to tell you guys, hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosa.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps the show. Um, thank you guys so, so, so much for all of your Amazon support and also for your PayPal support. PayPal link's on the right side of the website and uh, for supporting the sponsors and for just being a source of support. I just love you guys. Okay, Just Mirror Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Val Perkins says, never think about if I locked my car or not until I'm in bed and comfortable. I never think about if I locked my front door or not until I'm in bed and comfortable. What is wrong with both of you? Well, I mean, I do, but oftentimes I do. I shouldn't say oftentimes I do lock it. The majority of times I do lock it. I guess what I'm saying is once I'm in bed, then I start to think, uh oh, did I lock it? Oh God, that makes yeah. sense. Uh I no, I'm always obsessed with locking my car because I have one of those stupid push button starts. Mm-hmm. So if I leave my door open, someone can just drive away. Right. Oh, I like the I have a push button too and I like it. I the like keyless it. Keyless entry. Keyless entry, yeah. <laughs> Except it makes me lose my keys more because 
I don't really know why because right. because well yeah because they're not in the ignition mm-hmm. the whole time so I yeah. throw them somewhere and but then you're able to turn your car on without your key mm-hmm. oh mine you can only the it'll only turn on if the key is in the car I don't know how it knows oh, but yeah yeah no this is strictly just push just button. strictly pushing and putting your foot on the brake at the same time so yeah I'm obsessed with it and I have come back to my car a few times it's not been locked and I'm like I got lucky you should have put the button on the inside that would have helped keep down the theft a lot <laughs> it's right there on the it's on the, the trunk uh lazarus lazarus long says just mirror everyone walk inside on a sunny day forget to switch from sunglasses to regular glasses wonder why the house is so dark i i've talked about this before i rarely wear sunglasses i don't know why i probably should wear them i just don't so i don't have this problem oh i have a sunglass habit i love them I don't. I do wear regular glasses, but only at night driving, so I don't have this switching it up problem. And I'm kind of someone who likes to wear sunglasses inside because if it's really bright from the outside, it bothers me, mm-hmm. and so I will keep them on sometimes. But then I pretend. Oh, I forgot they were on because <laughs> I feel self conscious. I, yeah, I feel self conscious with sunglasses on, and I feel like I have to keep taking them off when I'm talking to people because I feel like. I don't know what I'm afraid is going to happen if they can't see my eyeballs. That but is something, weird. Like something sitting weird. outside for lunch, etiquette. Yeah. Like, do what do I do with my sunglasses? Yeah, I think about that. Yeah. Ray Morgan says, "Wonders how I know about viral YouTube videos without even watching them." Hashtag Damn Daniel. Hashtag Rebecca Black. I don't know Damn Daniel, although people, my husband's name is Daniel. So people, I've seen people say it more than once. Um, but I feel like the way that you know about viral videos without having seen them is because everyone talks about them. Yeah, I don't even know what those hashtags mean. Are they the... Damn Daniel is... Isn't Damn Daniel a... a looks like we don't video? know. Oh. I think Damn Daniel <laughs> is a viral video right now. It's got to be because people keep saying Rebecca it. Rebecca Black sounds familiar. That sounds like an old one. She had that song Friday. That's right. That's yeah. right. I totally remember that. I only know about it from Twitter, like if I see enough people talk about the same thing. But otherwise, I've never gone. I wouldn't even know what part of YouTube to go to to find like what people are just. I don't know. The front page, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I know nothing. But like two girls, one cup, never seen, have no intention to see Never seen, never will. David goes to the dentist. I feel like I've only seen clips of it on Tosh or something. I've seen it. I hate it. I think it's dangerous. I don't need to see him. No, I don't care. Yeah. All right. CM Leifer or Leifer, I don't know, says store opens at 9 a.m. Been sitting in car since 845, but won't enter before 915. So I'm not the weird first customer. No, I would not have this compunction. Well, first of all, I would never be somewhere that much earlier than they open because I just don't get up that early. If on the occasions that I have, though, because it has happened that I have, Mm -hmm. I'm always like, like right i'm like a few a few minutes before they open i feel like they should be open yeah yeah like i'm here you're here yeah. what do we i don't have that thing either i don't care if i'm i have not that this person isn't busy but like i just want to get in and get out i don't give a shit right i'd like to be the only one in there this actually this sounds like a lie this happened this morning i was out and about very very early i went to a store that opened at nine i was the first customer it was this really nice lady i go there like twice a year i buy my egyptian musk perfume there mm. and she was like how are you how have you been first customer of the day she was all excited and then at the end of the transaction she clasped my hands with hers and she closed her eyes and she's like <gasps> traded bodies 
Do you think? Yes. I don't know. Do you feel Well, like now her? I'm an old Asian woman. <laughs> no, I don't. But I, I could later. But she was like, uh, you know, bless us both and may all of your wishes come true. And I was like, That's she's so like, sweet. thanks for being the first customer of the day. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And I felt so good all day. So this lifer or whatever, yeah. lifer should take a chance Embrace. sometime and be the first one in there. I love that. I can't believe I, it sounds like I'm fucking lying. I swear on my life that happened. Where is this store that you buy your Egyptian musk perfume? It's in perfume? the farmer's market in, you know, the Grove Farmer's sure. Market. And it's called uh, Nature's Essence. And it's just mm. like one of those stores right in the middle of everything. Yes. It's I like great. Those stores. Like like where they have all the candles or the hot sauce? Exactly. Those stores? Yep. Jmos and Bobos says, I have a funeral music playlist. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 14 songs like that's a long funeral i think well his own funeral hers hers own. i'm assuming i'm yeah. assuming it's her own when do unless... you play it as people walk in yeah come to think of it i'm thinking it... of the funerals i've been to or the Is memorials there sometimes there's like someone playing a piano but in general not a ton of music although i feel like that was a thing to come up with the so- like i wanted hobo's lullaby the emily harris version um at my funeral. No, I guess we could go with Arlo Guthrie or Woody Guthrie. Now I forget who it was. Anyway, though, it's like a really sad song. Yeah. And I wanted that song at my funeral. I don't know why, but I'm over it now. I think I used to maybe have a funeral playlist that I never committed to paper because I'm too superstitious, but like mm. probably when I was a teenager, like the Smiths. But now I'm like, oh, people can do what they want as long as it's like. Just don't play anything that would have annoyed me or even do. And I think it would be funny. My mother has requested that at her funeral, I play Moonlight Sonata on the piano. Because <laughs> I used perfect. to play that when I took lessons. And she would come over and go, I want you to play that at my funeral. I love that song. I'm like, this is less fun right now playing this. But I uh, don't know it anymore. So uh, I never thought about You're it. You're not going to brush up on it? I would. I would have a short amount of time, I'm assuming. I'd be like, can you guys wait a week? I have to learn this song. But I don't know. I I don't like to think about that stuff. And I just feel like, ugh, I won't even know. Um, I am superstitious as well. How like deep do your superstitious, super, jeez, hard to talk. For some reason, how deep do they run? I'm only superstitious about like death stuff. So, but I did recently find the courage to be an organ donor on my license. I know that I know that fear. Yeah, you're like, oh, does this mean I'm going to invite death in the way well, that I invite a, a fun code in? Yeah, it also also the fear of like they could revive me, but they just want my organs, like that crazy one. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to give that one. No, to you. that's all right. I don't um, think it's not real. No, and also, don't even revive me. I feel like, just in case you revive me and I'm brain dead. Like yeah. But I feel like I should have a will and I should have a... Because oh, right, I don't yeah. want to be... I always... I've said this before on podcasts, so I'm like, maybe someone else will... But no, I I sent my sister an email once when I was going to be gone for like two months last year. And I was like, just in case, here's my final wishes. Mm-hmm. And then it just felt good to send it. So I'm superstitious, but... Usually once I take a leap and go against it, I feel fine. I'm not like panicking about it. Let me ask you this. Here's something we talked about recently on the podcast. The um, the cliche, don't count your chickens before they hatch. When you think of that, do you think of that as don't count your chickens before they hatch because by counting them, you might somehow affect it like in a superstitious way? Or do you think that that's just prudent advice? Like, you I, oh, I see it more as prudent advice. Like you okay. don't know... Don't 
decorate five chicken bedrooms because <laughs> only one might make it. Right. And then now you're shit out of luck yeah. and you spend all this money. Yeah. I think that's the correct way to interpret it. Yeah. Um, and that is how more people interpret it than not. But there was like six of us and a, and two of us. I was one. Yeah. Interpret it the other way. Like the more neurotic version. Like, yeah. yeah that yeah. like in, somehow because you want it to happen, it won't happen. Yeah. Well, there is that superstition like with some, uh, I think it's a, a Jewish superstition. Like don't put the furniture in your baby's bedroom until they're born or something like that or something to do with the baby's room yeah well i think there's also don't announce a pregnancy until a certain point right right yeah Yeah. um yeah i always think about this because i feel like nowadays when people announce pregnancies they announce it like with five five weeks to go or something and it seems so fast whereas i'm so public about my whole trying to get pregnant thing and doing IVF and all that, that I feel like I will just inevitably, if it happens, announce it early. And then it'll be like, she's been pregnant for five years. Yeah, so you'll announce it like day three. Like, yeah. I'm pregnant, everyone. And then like, if it <laughs> if it lasts, it'll feel like I've been pregnant like for so long. Because no one experiences another person's nine-month pregnancy anymore. Because everyone announced, they wait yeah, so long to waits. announce it. They wait until they're like, I have to announce it because I'm tired of people thinking I'm fat. I just wanted to interject that I once told my friend Frank as a joke with a couple beers in me about my funeral playlist, and I said that I wanted one song played over and over, and to this day, he remembers it and swears that he is going to make it happen. What is it? You Drive Me Ape, You Big Gorilla by the Dickies. (laughs) I don't know that song. If you sang it, I might know it. You Drive Me Ape, You Big Gorilla. You drive me ape, I want to kill you. What if it just made people start killing themselves at your funeral? Because they're like, this song is annoying me. We'll see. There's <laughs> one way to find out. Do you out. mind that you said that? Like, do you, have you changed your mind? No, I think it's kind of funny. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Dennis Cox says, get a follow out of nowhere. Have to stop myself from messaging to ask what made them follow me. Hashtag regular people. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't care no but occasionally if it's if it's a celebrity yes if it's a celebrity that's in a different field or something um yeah like sometimes i'll check my this is sad my verified followers mm -hmm. and i'm like why is this person from cnn you know if it's like a smarty pants something like soledad o'brien just started following me oh my god how exciting i was pretty excited by it and then i looked and i saw she had like responded to someone who was like, oh my God, Soledad O'Brien is following me or something. Like she went on a following spree. Yeah, I would never want to ask. It would not even be a temptation because the answer would probably be disappointing. Like I'm their intern and I <laughs> I like right. drunk history. Like it would never be anything good. It would yeah. never be what I want it to be. Right, right. It's never going to be. I've been a fan for years. Yeah. I just decided uh, to finally announce it by following you on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, never. <laughs> Okay, J-Mo's for A-Rose says, Celery is a fun snack until one of those stringy things mm. gets stuck between two teeth and then you want to die. I'm sorry. I argue. I would, I would take issue with the idea that celery is a fun snack. I, would, I think carrots are more fun. I like celery better. Really? Just because it's like more hydrating. It's funny. I know this. Well, why would this sound like a lie? Because it's so boring. You'll, you'll die. Get your funeral playlist ready. <laughs> I was eating celery yesterday. And I don't eat it that often. And I was like, I'm enjoying this. And then I got a fucking thing in my teeth. <laughs> and I always have floss in my purse. Not, Smart. Not for celery, but I have no. like, 
But just for some like lip balm. It's like sure. in that vein of little things in my purse. And uh, I went to town and I got it out. But yeah, no, it's it's an annoying thing to eat. Do you eat it plain or do you dip it in something? I'd prefer to dip it, but this just happened to be plain because it was the only option I had at the time. I feel like I feel like celery has built-in floss. Couldn't you yeah. peel one of those little things out and use it for floss? Like you know, some people. Oh my god! If you were like, yeah, hair. yeah, if you were stuck in on an island or something, yeah, and or all in you traffic. had was celery, <laughs> and then you also got celery stuck. Oh, that would be very MacGyver to use a piece of celery to totally. get a piece of celery. That's out what of. I'm right. thinking. That's like very making it cannibal snake celery, eating its own tail. Yeah, I like it. I have used the post of an earring. Really? If there's like there's something stuck between my teeth and I can't get it out and I don't have floss and every time I do it, not like I've done it a bunch, but when I have done it, I've thought this is probably really bad for my teeth. There's probably like something, and also probably really bad for my earlobe. When yeah, I put like the earring back germs, in. Yeah, in general, this is not good. Probably not. Yeah. It's fine. Um, just because I now need to follow this through. If you were to dip celery, what's your chosen dip? thing that you dip it into um it's so boring probably like a hummus or like a peanut butter that but i really boring <laughs> oh all right but i don't really ha- i don't really do usually this very often no not really okay uh flash dabbles says when i'm reading a news story quote from a person i know is british i read the quote in my head with a british accent i don't know if i do that but if I know the voice of the person that I'm reading the quote from, I will read it in their voice. I think I'm the same. I don't think I, yeah, because I don't do a good British accent. So right. I, yeah, it would have to be that person's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a question. Okay. How come Stephen Hawking's voice box has an American accent? I did not know he was British for the longest time. I didn't either. I didn't know till, till right now. I didn't know till right now either. If I did, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he seem smarter? Even smarter? <laughs> yes. The voice box what, was I British? actually don't know what his voice box sounds like. It, it doesn't sound like, very modulated. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every other one. Maybe they can't do accents yet, although they can on GPS. I don't know. Mm. Maybe he thinks it's clearer. That doesn't make sense. You think like ways he could get Terry Crews to do his voice Right, or exactly. Yeah. yeah, if anybody's getting the top of the line voice box programming, right. it should be him. It should be him. Yeah. And lastly, Ed White says, when ordering from menu, ask a question. Could I have the blank instead of statement? I will have blank. I always do this. When it comes to ordering, I always say, could I get the, as opposed to I'll have the. Oh, yeah. I have said I'll have the, but I have to make sure that it's like, I'm like, let's say someone orders before me Mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm going to have a steak and I'll go and I'll have the blah, blah, please. I'll make sure to say please and try to make it conversational. (laughs) Yeah. But never like, I always hear people give me the, I'm like, when you learn foreign languages, oftentimes that's like the, the, the language that they put that in, like bring me the, or I'll have the. Right. It's so literal. Like food now. Um, yeah, maybe I, maybe (laughs) I would do like, and I, I will have the, but be, I'll make it sing-songy to indicate that I don't think I'm better than you just because you're right. I'm not saying me. I'm. Ha- you're just like, and as long as we're talking about what people are having, right? Here's what I'll have, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, of course, that's how this transaction normally works, since, right? Since you brought it up, yeah. <laughs> Try that <laughs> next time. To think of it. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Jeff? I weirdly try now to say. May I have the fill in the blank? Because I feel like that's the most politey, polite yeah, way to do I it. Sound, and, and I and think, you sound smarter too. Thank you. 
and I use my British voice box. For it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's I try to do that, but I yeah. don't. But I, I work hard at avoiding. Give me the yeah, yeah, fu. right. Jen Kirkman. Yes. It was delightful. Oh, thank you. I hope it wasn't you too back. serious and boring. No, no, you were not cares? serious and boring at all. Thank you were the you. opposite of serious and boring. You were fun and uh, entertaining and not thank even, a, not the slightest bit Tasmanian except in a, but, but in f- the stuff. best of ways. Yes, exactly. Um, well, thank you. This was a delight. I love you both. Thank you. Tell everyone where they can find you and uh, let them oh, know yeah. what they should look for. I need everyone to buy my book. Uh, I know what I'm doing in other lives. I tell myself, which they can get on Amazon That's through right, your through page. my banner. Your banner. Yes. Um, it comes out April 12th, but I'd love a pre-order. Are, and when, they, when are pre-orders going to be starting? They're already starting. N- People right can now, now, you guys. Right now. And here's the best part about it. It doesn't charge until it ships. And it's available on hardcover or Kindle. And... Uh, it's just such a good, it, it helps a lot yeah. because then they don't make me do as much press if they see the numbers are good. So everyone right now, out. look through the banner and buy the book. You will not regret it. I loved it. I so wanted nice. to climb inside of it and just live there. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I really did. Yeah. I don't know how I could have because it was, um, I had a digital copy of it. So yeah. it doesn't even afford any sort of cover from the rain. No, exactly. And you would short circuit. Yeah. And then they, people can just go to my website, jenkirkman.com. I'm doing uh, some touring in the States. And uh, I'm sure there's states out there that might come out. Awesome. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. We have ringtones available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. And also... Touch the tushy, touch, touch the You can get these tushy, by going to AllisonRosen.com and then clicking on store. Uh, and then I'll take you there. And also bonus episodes. And also we have t-shirts. You need a t-shirt. Go to my website. Go to the store. It is all there. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And I'll be lulzing, <laughs> but not mansplaining, <laughs> nor will I be Bernie brosing. Perfect. That's a good thing. And you can do all of it while removing celery from your teeth with celery. Exactly. You guys, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.